Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 231. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Between writing notes, filing insurance claims, and scheduling with clients, it can be hard to stay organized. That's why I recommend Therapy Notes. Their easy-to-use platform lets you manage your practice securely and efficiently. Visit TherapyNotes.com to get two free months of Therapy Notes today. Just use the promo code TherapyChat when you sign up for a free trial at TherapyNotes.com. Thanks also to DoxyMe for sponsoring this episode. DoxyMe is an easy-to-use, HIPAA-compliant telehealth platform that is available in free and paid versions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to doxy.me and putting in the code therapy chat. A couple weeks ago, my group practice needed to close our office to in-person sessions and make a quick pivot to telehealth due to the coronavirus. I was able to set up free HIPAA compliant DoxyMe accounts for my staff and interns. This allowed us to quickly and easily transition to telehealth during a stressful situation. I already had my own paid account that I'd been using as needed. DoxyMe has been easy for staff and clients to use so we can focus on the therapy sessions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to doxy.me 
and putting in the code therapy chat. That's D O X Y dot M E and use the code therapy chat for $50 off. Hi, welcome back to therapy chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and I'm coming to you from inside my house, like always, but with that little twist of the fact that I rarely leave my house during this pandemic. I have been leaving my house much more often than before because our house is on the market again. You've heard me talking about that recently. So we have to go somewhere, but with everything being closed, there's really nowhere to go. So we kind of go to the elementary school parking lot near our house and sit with our dog and wait. (laughs) I wanted to talk with you today. Normally in recent weeks, I've been doing interviews, but this week I wanted to just talk about some observations I have about what I've been noticing coming up with clients, myself, friends, even people that I've been interacting with out in the world when I do. There's a few themes that I've noticed some some ways that this situation is exacerbating, I guess I would say exacerbating our limited capacity to cope and exacerbating trauma responses that were already there for so many of us. So I'm going to talk about those situations as well as some of the positive things that I've noticed going on during this time. Not as much positive as I might have hoped, I guess, as things drag on. But there are positives as today is May 29th when I'm recording this. And in the U.S., we have reached over 100,000 deaths from COVID-19. That's no small number. And if you or someone you care about has been impacted or if you're impacted just sheer, sheer from the sheer gravity of just recognizing what a large number of people have lost their lives. I just want to acknowledge that. This is not an easy time for any of us, but there's still a lot to be grateful for and a lot that I think we can learn from this experience. So what I have noticed, this probably isn't too much different from what I've talked about in the very beginning when this was going on, but over time it's, you know, gone from, I would say somewhat abstract concepts to very real and present in people's everyday lives. Some of the the concepts that have really been coming up for so many of us and our clients is, and I'm going to go into them in more detail after sort of naming them, um, but there's, you know, there are many people who are feeling a great sense of isolation. There's a lot of fear. For many of us, there's just a heavy sadness, grief, anger. There's a lot of anger and a sense of loss of control, but in some ways there is more connection. So more connection, more meaningful connection, even though it's not in person for so many. There are less distractions, which has a a positive side and a negative side. And for those who have family at home, children, maybe living with siblings, there's more family time, which can also have some negatives. So I'll go into those in more depth and also like what we can do with those feelings. But I've said this so many times in so many places. I've been on several other podcasts recently. You may have seen me posting about, um, I was on the 
Unapologetically Sensitive podcast with Patricia Young. I was on Amber Hawley's podcast and I did a podcast, was a video cast with Ann Brennan about these same topics. But right now, this experience, whether or not it feels like you are having a trauma reaction, this is a traumatic event that we're living through. And I think it's important to understand that because if you're that rare person who's never experienced a traumatic event, I'm sorry that you have to go through this now. But basically, when you are in a traumatic experience, you do not feel the impact of the traumatic experience while it's happening. And that means you may be very upset by what you're going through, but the symptoms that we think of as trauma symptoms don't really start showing up in earnest until the situation has ended and we are in a safe situation. So that is why we have post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not called traumatic stress disorder. It's called post-traumatic. And that is why when someone grows up in an abusive home, it may be horrible and it may be, they're very aware of how painful it is. But those trauma symptoms of re-experiencing intrusive thoughts, intrusive memories, nightmares, flashbacks, inability to regulate our emotions, those symptoms come when the situation has passed. So an example I often give to my clients is that you may live through a traumatic childhood and then very, very commonly your adult relationships may be very unhealthy until at some point you find yourself in a more stable and secure adult relationship with a partner who's safe and doesn't hurt you like what what happened during your childhood. And at that time is when those trauma symptoms suddenly kick in. Just when you are finally safe, that's when it all hits because During the time that you're going through the traumas, including being in those unhealthy relationships after your traumatic childhood, you're still in survival mode and you're still, your coping mechanisms are activated, your coping defenses and your threat responses. And it is only when you are in a situation that is actually safe, where no one is hurting you, that all of those trauma symptoms really start to kick in. So... In the same way with this, this pandemic, we're all going through it and it feels weird and it feels different and it's distressing and hard and we're doing everything we can just to keep going. And, you know, that may be true whether you are just dealing with the, I say just in quotes because this is a significant impact, but You may just be dealing with how your life has been disrupted, that maybe you're working from home or you're taking care of your children all day while trying to work or you're trying to help your kids do school while trying to work and having no break. And all of that is extremely difficult and that's real. But also there are more extreme um, impacts that people are feeling, such as if they're sick or if someone they love is sick or if their parent is in assisted living or nursing home or someone they love is in the hospital and they can't get to them. 
that just adds another layer of distress to the situation. Many people have lost their jobs. As we know, many businesses have closed and won't be reopening, which is a huge loss um, for everyone involved in that with their livelihood. And those are real traumas. Fear of losing your home if you lose your job, not being able to pay your bills, not necessarily having enough food to eat. Those things are real extreme traumas that are coming from the situation. I'll add because it's impossible to ignore today. Um, there are protests going on all around the country after the most recent death of a black man at the hands of police brutality. And those people who are protesting are literally out there risking exposure to people who may be either sick or asymptomatically carrying COVID-19. And they're putting themselves in harm's way just by being in close contact with those other protesters because it's that important to them. And, you know, I can't help but think that there can be a real impact from that, that more people are going to get sick because they're going to be exposed to asymptomatic carriers who they couldn't socially distance from because they're marching together in a large group. And that's just another layer on top of all the other impact of communities being destroyed by violence and fires and looting and more violence. I think there's a collective grief around that too. I know I'm feeling it. And, you know, aside from just the direct impact to protesters, you know, the collective grief around the continued violence, it just feels like it's just rather than abating, it's just getting worse and worse in our culture. I mean, my logical mind tells me that it's been worse in the past than it is now, but how it is now is absolutely, completely unacceptable. And it's got to change. Thank you to everyone who's protesting and trying to make a difference. I hope if you're listening to this, you will show up and speak out and do what you can to make a difference as well. We can all make a difference. I say that all the time on this podcast. We can all do something. We all have a voice. We all have power to change what is wrong in our society. And there's much that is wrong. So, you know, I listed off isolation, fear, sadness, anger, and loss of control, but I left out a sense of powerlessness. And I think that goes along with the loss of control. I think that is really, really coming up for people. And as, you know, here on May 29th, we've been quarantining at home since March 13th. So that is about 10 weeks. Is that right? (laughs) I'm losing track. Let's see. March to April, April to May, May to June. No, it's like 14 weeks, May to, yeah. So I think it's, (laughs) let's, let me try that again. March to April, that's one month. April to May, that's two months. And then halfway through May. So yeah, 10 weeks actually is right. That's for me, I'm in Maryland and some people started before that. But I think that was around the time when the whole country really started like talking about working at home, social distancing and that kind of stuff. And I am seeing in my clients and in my friends and in myself and in people I know out in the community who aren't really quite friends, but they're people I interact with regularly, feel very fond of and care about, like fellow business owners owners of restaurants that I like to go to and other businesses. And 
So going to the topic of isolation that I mentioned, um, I was talking with a business owner. I, I know because I go to her restaurant. Normally, I would probably go there at least three times a week, sometimes probably five to seven times a week. I go there for lunch when I'm working and I often pick up dinner from there too. And I asked her how she was doing when I went by to pick up food recently because, you know, I've started venturing out more as my state has begun to loosen restrictions on us coming and going. And I asked her how she was doing. And this was the second time I'd seen her since the whole quarantine started. And she said, first time she told me that business was good, which I was very relieved because I had been worried. I didn't want her to lose her business. And she said, business is good. They're getting a lot of support from their loyal customers coming and picking up food. But she said that, you know, she didn't say this, but I interpreted from what she said that she's had to lay off a lot of staff because she said she's really just her and a couple other people working. It's a small restaurant as it is, but she mentioned that the worst part is the isolation. Even though the finances are okay because business is good, people are coming, people are getting food, but she said, I'm here all day pretty much alone. I have no one to talk to. I don't really interact with many people other than the customers that come to get their food and it's very limited. And, you know, I'm just, it's very isolating. It's, it's depressing. And, you know, I'm feeling that when I get to see my friends, you know, I've had a couple times where I've gathered with friends in a group of less than 10 standing at least six feet apart outside. I'm so grateful to see my friends. I'm so happy, but I'm sad because I can't hug them. It doesn't feel natural. And I'm fortunate because I live with a partner, so I'm not here by myself for these 10 weeks, but, you know, besides each other, we've hardly seen anyone and I'm grateful to have my partner, but I miss my friends. I miss my family. So one of the positives about that, and that's, you know, I think everyone's aware of this. The more we can intentionally connect with the people that we're missing and make time to connect with them by video and video, you know, is great because you can see them, you can see each other. Phone calls are, are good too, but not quite the same. And sometimes it almost feels too hard to connect with the people that you're missing because it's almost easier not to think about them or not to see them or talk to them because it's painful that you can't be together. My parents and my husband's parents are elderly and we worry about them. And they're all doing okay. You know, they're all staying healthy, but it's hard not being able to visit. We're very fortunate not to have any loved ones in any nursing homes or assisted living facilities where we know that they would feel very alone. At least they have their partners home with them. And so they're not completely alone, which is for us, it's a great comfort. But everyday life is going on with all the hardships like you know, your pet dies or, you know, you're worried about paying a bill or now like how to get groceries and just thinking about your safety all the time. It's wearing. It really is wearing. So I've been trying to be very intentional about making time to face-to-face connect by video with my friends. I've driven to people's houses and stood by my car while they stand on their porch and just chat a little bit and I know one day I went for a walk near 
my friend's neighborhood. I, I walked my dog over there and asked her if she could come out. And um, she came on the porch and we just said hi to each other and really didn't talk very long, a couple minutes. A couple other people we knew from their neighborhood walked by. And I remember feeling like I hit the jackpot because I saw like six people that I like. And that was the most I had seen for probably a month besides just my partner and of course my clients. Um, it's, you know, I get to talk to people all day long with my clients, but you know, they're isolated too and they're feeling it too. It's a lot to hold. And my clients who don't have partners and they're in their homes alone, you know, they're definitely feeling the isolation much more intensely. Obviously it's it's um, everybody wants to know how long is this going to go on? So that brings me to the next point, which is fear. You know, there's this whole message that we've been receiving that it's not safe to go outside. It's not safe to be around other people. And now Maryland is definitely in a process of gradual reopening. Restaurants are, as of today, able to have outdoor seating. So you know, there's kind of a sense that we can begin to return to normal. And certainly everyone wants businesses to be able to bring in money, but not at the expense of anyone's safety, whether the people who work in the restaurant, the customers, we all want to be safe. And there's this, you know, kind of adjustment to returning to a somewhat normal life where you go places and, and do things almost sort of like the way we used to, but with a mask, you know, with not being near others, you know, and, and it's sort of creates this sense of um, fear that other people are unsafe. And that's, that's very uncomfortable. I think for our brains, you know, our, our brains say, okay, danger, threat, not safe. Where's the threat? Where's the threat? Oh, it's other people. We have enough problems in our country with fear of people who are different and fear irrational fear that someone who's just minding their own business is going to try to hurt us. And now we have really internalized for 10 weeks, this idea that other people are dangerous. And I think the masks contribute to that fear. When you see other people in masks, you can't see their mouths. You can't see their full expression, only their eyes really. And that's extremely disconcerting for many people, especially people who've experienced trauma because body language is important. And if you can't see someone's whole face, it's like you can't tell their intentions. It's it's very disconcerting. Not to mention that many people who struggle with anxiety, which tends to make you breathe more shallowly, have trouble wearing the masks out in public. So they, they know they need the mask to be safe. And in many places it's required. But when they're wearing the mask, they feel like they can't get a good deep breath and they start hyperventilating and they start having panic attacks. That's a real problem. And other people feel afraid of seeing people in masks because it may remind them of traumatic experiences that they've had. So that is very real. And I've heard that um, nose breathing could be very helpful with the masks. I was talking about it with a group of people today and one of my colleagues in my practice had some suggestions, including getting a mask that has more, that's more stretchy. Some of the masks that are out there are really heavy 
and thick, like thick cotton or even almost canvas type, like a really a ca- cotton that feels almost as thick as canvas. And it feels heavy. It's very restricting. And it might be good for protection in terms of like what it allows to come through, but it might make many people more anxious and have panic. And if so, it could be helpful to have perhaps a more stretchy mask that has a filter inside and you can get those. I have one like that. The little filter is kind of, I don't know what the material is, but it's, um, it's pretty flexible. So in a stretchy mask with a a flexible filter that still is protective. Of course, it's not to the level of an N95 mask or the PPE that healthcare workers use, but it's a barrier and it's hopefully helpful more so than not wearing a mask at all. Let's just pause for a moment so I can give you a little bit more information about why I love therapy notes. I switched to therapy notes few years ago, I'd say it's about three years now, I believe. And I have never regretted it. I was very happy with the EHR I used before, but therapy notes is more intuitive. I love the interface. The customer service is fantastic. And I love how I can get my notes done quickly because I can customize the template that I use for my notes and there are opportunities to put check marks rather than having to write out the intervention used. So I have cut my time spent writing notes way down, which is wonderful because I like to focus on seeing clients. I know documentation is an important part of our work, but it can also be time consuming. And that is why I love using therapy notes. If you are considering switching EHRs or you're looking for one to use in your practice, give Therapy Notes a try. You can get two free months by using the code TherapyChat. With the gradual reopening that started, I'm talking to many people who feel very fearful and they're wondering, well, what, you know, I don't feel like it's safe to go back into normal life. And our leaders are saying that it is, but I don't feel safe. And I don't know what to do. Many people are thinking that they will be pressured to do things that they don't really feel safe doing because the reopening is happening, like reopening their businesses. And certainly if you're listening to this as a therapist, I'm sure you've been thinking about this. When is it safe to reopen your therapy practice? And of course, things are different in different places. Some places don't have high numbers of cases. We do. We have you know, we've been having at least around a thousand cases a day, new cases identified. Um, That's not deaths. That's just people testing positive. But if a thousand people a day are testing positive, you know, we have a good number of people here in Maryland who are positive. And the more people that are in your area that are positive, the more likely that you're going to be exposed. And of course, the testing here has really just started to move beyond people who are symptomatic. And we all know from what we've heard that there are many people who are positive, but don't test positive at first, or they don't have symptoms. Actually, 
asymptomatic people who were out there. So they're, they weren't being tested because they had no symptoms. It was just based on, had you traveled? Do you have a fever? You know, and, and there are many people who are caring who are not symptomatic. So hopefully we'll get those numbers more accurate. But if you're in a place where there are less infections, I'm happy for you and I want you to stay healthy and safe. But if you're in a place where there have been a large number of infections and, you know, most big cities have more cases, it can be really confusing to know what to do if you're a business owner, even aside from therapists, but just any business owners who want to reopen because they need their livelihoods, but they're fearful of what will happen to their customers, their staff and themselves if they're exposed. Those concerns are very real. If you're a therapist, I may not be the first person who's telling you this, but if you're thinking about reopening, there are many, many resources that have been put out by NASW, the APA. I haven't really seen anything from ACA, but it may be out there. I think the MFT groups have also put out some guidance. Check with your malpractice insurance carrier and make sure that if you do reopen, they're going to cover you if there are any liability issues that arise. I had someone offering to sell me plexiglass dividers to put into my office space so that I could meet with clients. And I just don't think that that would really cut it because if we're sitting in a room together for an hour, which is what we typically do in a therapy session, from my understanding, the virus can be in the air and we both I and the client would be more at risk of contracting the virus from one another if if we're in that scenario. Plus therapy with masks on does not seem ideal, at least with telehealth, which isn't perfect. We can be face-to-face with our full facial expressions visible. And I think that's pretty important because, you know, the affect is a major part of what's happening in the therapy work. And, you know, if you're a therapist and you're reopening, I'm not judging you. I believe that you're making the decision that you think is best for yourself and your practice. And I support you hundred percent, but there's a lot of anxiety and fear that's coming up for people around making those decisions. And I think that one of the positive aspects on that is that for those of us who have been like seeking out guidance from others, oh, what's the best thing to do here? What's the kind of best practice? What is the general consensus on what, you know, what the best option is? are being forced, and I say forced, but it's kind of a good thing to just really think for ourselves and say, what do I feel is safest? What feels right for me? And follow that because, you know, you're the one that's going to face the consequences, whether it's to your health, your client's health, if you get sued, whatever it is, what regardless of what others say, you're the one that has to have those consequences. And So you have to make the decision that you feel is best. If you, if everyone says, hey, go ahead, it's safe to open and you don't feel safe, maybe you're immunocompromised or you live with someone who is, then you have to follow what's best for you and know that, you know, this is very complex. There's just no simple answers here. But I think sometimes waiting for someone to tell you what to do can be a bit of a crutch. And if you do your own research, get the facts And make sure that whatever your decision is, is based on solid facts and research and you can document why you made that decision, then that's the best anyone can do. 
Another big thing that's coming up for people right now is sadness. You know, it's so sad that people are dying in nursing homes alone. It's so sad that mothers are being separated from their babies in hospitals and not being able to have a, somebody with them when they give birth. You know, and I hope that's gotten better. But I mean, there's a lot of sadness. There are some really sad things happening here. There's a lot of grief and, you know, there's no way around it. We just have to let ourselves feel that. It's a normal reaction to this situation. And there's, you know, again, and I mentioned this a long time ago when this was first starting, (laughs) a long time ago, maybe 10 weeks ago, the sadness and the grief of what's different, how things have changed from how they were before. You know, there are a lot of people who just don't like that things are not how they were. Again, I've probably mentioned this before, but college students who didn't get to have their graduation, high school students who didn't get to have prom and graduation, all the friends that they didn't get to say goodbye to, weddings, funerals that couldn't take place the way they were expected to. And, you know, so these rituals that are really important to us as humans and and culturally bring us together and help us move through our lives, a lot of those have been taken away for safety reasons. And that's that's something that we just have to allow ourselves to grieve. It's okay, but it it's painful. So another major theme that I've seen is a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger that people are feeling. I'm noticing there is anger at elected officials for the decisions they've made. Some are angry at leaders they think are not taking things seriously enough. Some are angry at leaders they think have not done enough to protect us. Some are angry at the bureaucratic delays that have caused problems with testing. Some are angry at how healthcare workers have not been able to get enough personal protective equipment, PPE, to keep themselves safe. And many of them have lost their lives. We've seen that in Italy and New York and all around. Some are angry at elected leaders who are enforcing stay-at-home orders and saying that they're causing businesses to go out of business and, and livelihoods to be lost. And some are angry that they want the economy to open up. And they think that, you know, it's worthwhile to take our chances with getting quote unquote back to normal and that they're angry that that's not happening as fast as they think it should. Some people are angry at individuals that they see gathering in groups who are not social distancing. Some are angry at parents who are allowing their kids to play with other kids. You know, there's so much anger and I feel like our anger is really at this pandemic. It's really at about like what we're really angry about is that this pandemic is causing changes in our lives that we don't want. And it's taken away, you know, our independence and our free movement. And some people are really angry about that. And, but I think it's often being directed in the wrong, the wrong way. It's being directed towards people, elected officials who are really trying to do what they can to keep us safe. And It's being directed towards young people who developmentally, it's absolutely normal for them to feel it's almost a life or death thing to be around their friends. And they don't really understand it. And they may think that they aren't likely to get it because that's the way that um, we all learned at first that this, oh, you know, it's just a disease that affects 
the elderly and people with underlying illnesses. But now we're seeing that it's a lot more complicated than that. It's There's some kind of syndrome that's showing up in kids. There are strokes that are happening in young adults. There are people who seemed healthy and should not have had, they shouldn't have fallen into the high risk category, but they still are dying. So, or people who are getting sick and they're recovering and maybe their symptoms are mild, but they're going on for like three months, you know, and they're not back to normal. And, you know, it's a, it's a really complicated disease. And it seems that they're beginning to understand that there are different ways that different people's immune systems are impacted that are very unexpected and just not what they thought originally. So that's confusing. And it's also, I think there's some anger that people are beginning to like feel that they don't know which news is correct, what source to trust. So just as this has gone on and on and on, many people are feeling the fear, sadness, and anger of how long is this going to continue? Is it ever going to get better? And some people are comfortable just staying at home and waiting it out. And other people can't wait to get out. And they're feeling like they might go crazy if they have to stay inside much longer. So these, these are real concerns and loss of control. The loss of control, the sense of when is this going to end? It's just so unknown. And so many people I think are just kind of like in this position of waiting, just like, I'll just kind of wait. I'll just stop, freeze, just hunker down and wait. Other people are feeling like they cannot wait any longer. They can't stand having so little control. But I think one of the positives there is that there are so many distractions in our normal, busy American lives. So many distractions of being busy, overworking, running from here to there, driving all over the place, being stuck in traffic, kids activities, you know, kids doing like softball, ballet, piano, French lessons, karate, soccer, and basketball all in one week. And the parents running all over the place, driving them to these activities and the parents commuting and being stuck in traffic and going to work and being at work all day and then coming home and just running around trying to get the kids homework done and doing all these other little, those distractions for many of us, certainly not everyone, because there are many people who have not been working at home at all this whole time. They are frontline workers in grocery stores, healthcare workers, and other people working in industries that they were not able to just work at home. But many of my clients are working at home and trying to juggle the childcare, the school and their full-time jobs and getting no break and feeling extremely overwhelmed. But all these outside distractions, I think have brought people a lot of clarity. There's been a lot more clarity about, hmm, how do I want my life to be? What are the boundaries that I want to set around my life so that when this ends, if it ever does, and it will, I guess, eventually, I don't know when, but I hope it will eventually. And that, you know, how much do we want to spend our time commuting? How much do we want to spend our time working? How much time do we want to spend with our children and our other loved ones, our families? What really matters? 
And I think those are some valuable shifts. I bet we'll be reading in history books about how American culture in particular changed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020, because it's it's been that impactful. And I think that that is where some good can come. Again, that idea that instead of waiting for people to tell us what we're going to do, we have an opportunity to get more clarity about what do we want? How do we want things to be without all the distractions that keep us from being able to focus on that? So if you're struggling with some of the same things that I'm talking about here, ask yourself what you can do. Be intentional. What can you do to create more connection? What can you do to deal with the fear? With fear, you know, it's like a snowball effect. It just grows and grows and grows. So I think that fear, you know, connects with anxiety and anxiety often brings up fight or flight. So if fight is where you're at, which goes along with the anger, what can you do to let that anger or fight feel like the need that you have is being satisfied. And I think one of the things you can do about fight is setting boundaries, setting boundaries, what's okay with you and what's not. What do you say yes to? And what do you say no to? Something that I've been hearing a lot, this is something that they talk about in a lot of entrepreneurship stuff is when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So if you're saying yes to overworking, you're saying no to your family. If you're saying yes to doing something you don't want to do, you're saying no to yourself. So if you're feeling angry, setting some boundaries can help. Other things that can help are movements that feel explosive, like jumping, punching movements, not punching another person or any being, but just punching into the air, punching a pillow, throwing things like throwing a ball throwing a Frisbee, running, and this also helps with anxiety. Running helps with the flight impulse. You know, if you feel like you just can't stand it and you need to get away, can you go for a run? Can you go for a fast walk? Can you run in place? Can you do some jumping jacks? Clapping your hands together is a good way to discharge some of that energy. Pushing up against a solid surface. So like push-ups, planks, leaning up against a wall with your hands on the wall. So if you've ever been in an exercise class and they give that modification for people who have shoulder or wrist problems and can't do push-ups on the floor, you can do it up against the wall. Much more accessible for people who may have back issues as well or weak core, but it's very satisfying. If you're struggling with the loss of control, that's a tough one because as humans, We want to feel that we have some sense of control and mastery over our lives. We want autonomy and independence, but, you know, life is happening and there is really little that we have control over. But, you know, I said this before, one of the things you can do is just focus on what can I control? I can't control that there's a pandemic, but I can control what I do to protect myself. I can't control that, you know, my relatives in a nursing home, but I can control how I attempt to communicate with them, like a phone call, video chat, sending them a video of you talking to them, write a letter. You know, you can control how you attempt to connect. And for that isolation, again, attempts to connect will help with that too. 
What can you do if you're feeling isolated to bring other people into your life? You know, there are free and paid online groups, support groups. There's online chats. There's crisis text lines. There's community meetings that are online. There are meetings with that you can set up with people you know, virtual book clubs, virtual cooking clubs. It can be with strangers. It can be with people you know. You can go for walks. If you go for a walk at the same time every day, you'll probably see a lot of the same people. And even in that way, there can be some comfort and connection. Even if you don't even know who they are, it's like, oh, there's that lady that always walks by around 9 a.m., you know? And as I've said before, just in general for help with coping, getting outside, being in nature, having a change of scenery, singing, listening to music, dancing, moving your body, focusing on on connecting with whoever you are with. So if you have a partner and you two are driving each other crazy, is there anything you two can do to feel more connected? Watch something on TV together, sit in silence while you each read books, sit listening to music, talk about good times that you remember, watch something funny, spend time with a pet. I'm not pretending that this is easy. I'm not pretending that there are simple answers, but we will get through this. You will get through this. I will get through this. It is going to get better. You're not alone in this. So I'm going to finish up by just asking whether you would like me to continue focusing on the pandemic or if you would welcome me returning to bringing you the typical content that I bring. I have many episodes recorded that we did before the pandemic and it just didn't feel right to release them because it just felt like if I'm not talking about that, it's like the elephant in the room but maybe you're sick of hearing about it. Maybe you'd prefer to have a diversion. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. I'll create a simple Google form that you can fill in. It'll be in the details for the show and where you see the show notes. You don't have to give your name or anything, but I'd just like to know what are people wanting? Is this is this too much of a downer? Would you prefer something else to think about? Or is this feeling like, yeah, let's talk about what's really going on right now. Uh, let me know. You can also go to the website therapychatpodcasts.com and leave me a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you as always for listening. I'm glad that we're all in this together and I hope you're doing well and staying safe and hanging on. And if you're doing great, that you can offer some support to someone else who's not doing so great. I appreciate all of you for listening and I hope you take care. Until next time, thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. There are many ways to keep your practice organized, but Therapy Notes is the best. Their easy-to-use, secure platform lets you not only do your billing, scheduling, and progress notes, but also create a client portal to share documents and request signatures. Plus, they offer amazing unlimited phone support, so when you have a question, you can get help fast. To get started with the practice management software trusted by over 60,000 professionals, go to therapynotes.com and start a free trial today. If you enter promo code THERAPYCHAT, they will give you two months to try it out for free. Thanks also to DoxyMe for sponsoring this episode. DoxyMe is an easy-to-use, HIPAA-compliant telehealth platform that is available in free and paid versions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to 
doxy.me and putting in the code therapy chat. A couple weeks ago, my group practice needed to close our office to in-person sessions and make a quick pivot to telehealth due to the coronavirus. I was able to set up free HIPAA-compliant DoxyMe accounts for my staff and interns. This allowed us to quickly and easily transition to telehealth during a stressful situation. I already had my own paid account that I'd been using as needed. DoxyMe has been easy for staff and clients to use so we can focus on the therapy sessions. Get $50 off a paid account by going to doxy.me and putting in the code therapy chat. That's D-O-X-Y dot M-E and use the code therapy chat for $50 off. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you.